Welcome to the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. We go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and check in on the world of golf to bring you the latest news, insights, analysis, interviews, recaps, previews. Hey, we cover anything and everything golf. My name is Carlos Torres, and every week I'm alongside my co-host, Fred Alvader. Fred, hi, how are you today? Hey, Carlos, uh, I got to tell you, I am in love with Florida. Despite some uh, rainy, cold weather we had on Sunday, I've gotten in four rounds of golf in four days on awesome golf courses, including the Die Course at PGA Village, Historic Seminole, and the Champions Course at PGA National with its bear trap, the site of the Honda Classic coming up in a few weeks. Hey, Carlos, in golf news this week, Tyler made a somewhat less than auspicious return at the Farmers Insurance Open. Lexi Thompson went low in the Bahamas. And Forbes magazine listed several reasons to be bullish on golf. That's certainly nothing new to us. We're always bullish on golf, and we've got a lot of golf to talk about tonight. So let's go, Carlos. Let's go, and let's start right away with the weekend backspin, where every week we recap the weekend's action on the major tours. So let's start talking about the PGA Tour and the Farmers Insurance Open. You know, Fred. Everyone was looking for the guy in the red shirt to be contending and even win on Sunday. And guess what? That's what happened. He did. But no, 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 wait. No, no, it's not Tiger Woods. No, it's not him. It was my pick for the rookie of the year, John Ram. You, know, you called it. You called it. You said Ram was going to have a big year. He's your young guy. You're watching this year. You called it. I got to give you props on that, man. Yeah, he's an incredibly talented 22-year-old that right now is maybe leading the 20-somethings uh, that are up and coming. And the world, if you didn't know it already, now knows that. All you have to do is follow my advice. When I tell you, you know, look out for a rookie of the year, pin it down, give him the trophy, okay? Anyway, what a way to get your first PGA Tour win. Ram, he started the final round just three shots back at six under, and was still too back as he, as he reached the par 3 11th. And then he birthed that hole, trickled in an eagle putt at 13, stuffed it at 17 for birdie, and holed out an incredible 60-footer from the back fringe down the slope for eagle at number 11, 18. You know, it was absolutely unreal, especially that final putt. He was one for the ages. Why, you would ask? If you didn't see it, sit down and relax. Let me break it down for you. This was absolutely unbelievable. No 60-foot eagle putt is easy, but this one specifically difficult as this putt was impossibly fast as the green is lightning once the ball hits a downhill slope about 20 feet short of the pin. The putt, the putt also breaks like 20 different ways. Oh, and Ram had a one-shot lead to protect, trying to close out his first PGA Tour win. No pressure, right? Somehow, with the with the aid of his uh, caddy, Adam Hayes, he 
judge it absolutely perfectly. Rolling it with the exact right speed as Ram came home with the most emphatic closing eagle we think has ever happened in pro golf. His reaction was classic, too. In the end, it was 7 under 65, the round of the day, by the way, for Ram, as he won by three shots at 13 under. Ram, if you might not remember, he was an absolute start at uh, Arizona State, winning 11 times as a Sun Devil, which puts him second in school history behind lefty Phil Mickelson, who won 16 there. Ram also won the Ben Hogan Award twice and was world number one amateur for a long time. Ram actually turned pro last summer and already had two shots at victory at last year's Quicken Loans National and the RBC Canadian Open. The Quicken Loans National, where he was a 36-hole co-leader, was actually his pro debut, and he'd finished top three in both of those events. But he didn't have a win until now. Again, unreal talent. He absolutely roasted the ball off the tee. This is the first of many wins. Oh, and please... Hand him the Rookie of the Year award. This will be a no contest this year. But really, it was surprising also that this wasn't close in the end, considering that the leaderboard was packed all day. At one point, we had 11 players within one shot of the lead. It was a four-way tie at the top, on, actually until Ram finished Birdie Eagle. All of a sudden, he was three ahead, and it looked like he was going to win. Nobody could catch him in the end. C.T. Pan, another former world number one amateur, finished T2 at 10 under. He was looking for his first PGA Tour win as well. Charles Howell III, who has an awesome record there at Torrey Pines, also finished T2 at 10 under. That's Howell's third runner-up finish at this event, which he's yet to win. Keegan Bradley also held a share of the lead for a moment on Sunday after holding out for Eagle at the par 414s. He was tied at the top then at 9-under, and would finish there as he posted 67 to tie for fourth. Defending champion Brent Snedeker, 8-under, finished T9, and another former world number one amateur, Patrick Rogers, 9-under, T4, he failed as a 54-hole co-leaders, as they closed in with 73 and 72, respectively. Justin Rose, who was the leader after each of the first two days, closed in with 74, T4 at 9-under as well. Yet another former world number one amateur in Oli Schneiderjans. He finished T9 at 8-under after posting 71. Phil Mickelson, he was within two at one point on Sunday, and after a late fade, he finished birdie-birdie to post at 7-under and finished T14. Other notable finishes, Hideki Matsuyama, well, he proved he's human after all, and that even if with Justin Thomas is not on the field, he can be beaten. He finished T33. But wait, whatever happened to that big threesome that were playing the first two days? Tiger Woods, Jason Day, and Dustin Johnson, who played together for those first two days. Well, at first, the PGA Tour event in 17, at his first uh, PGA Tour event in 17 months, Tiger was hoping to feed off superstars playing partners Day and DJ. But the world number one day and number three Johnson offered the 14-time major champion little inspiration as Woods attempted to make the cut at the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines, which he didn't. The 29-year-old day carded rounds of 73 and 74 to finish at three over and three outside the even par cut line, while big-time hitting DJ two over total also saw him heading home early. But Fred, 
you know, despite a four-over par total after rounds of 70, 76 and 72, the 79-time PGA Tour winner, Tiger Woods, he insists a miscut won't sour preparation for what he hopes he will be in his peak, and that's for the Masters at Augusta. Yeah, the thing that bothers me, though, Carlos, um, Tiger was not walking very well. Um, he looked very stiff. Uh, he looked like he was favoring his back. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, it just he did not look good to me. So especially like on Friday afternoon. So I'm, I'm still watching that. I, I don't know. He did not look good to me at all, really. Um, some funny names are not funny names, but some names that uh, kind of have been been missing on leaderboards, but the last few weeks have been popping up. Uh, Keegan Bradley's playing better. If you notice that uh, with a uh, T4, um, you had uh, Patrick Rogers and uh, Tony Finau also in there at T4. Finau's been playing well this year. He played well in Hawaii. Now he plays well in San Diego. Um, also, um, Brant Snedeker had a good tournament. I thought he might win this thing, but he turns out to shoot 73 on Sunday, and he was right there at the lead. Um, and then you've also got, uh, here's a name we haven't heard for a while. We've been talking about him, but we haven't heard from him. Ryo Ishikawa uh, puts together, you know, four decent rounds, ends up with a T20, and also a T20 with Stuart Sink. Stuart getting back to action after, you know, staying at home some quite a bit to, to be with his wife who's fighting uh, breast cancer. So uh, some pretty good names there, and those are names to watch going down the road, especially uh, Finau, Keegan Bradley, and um, uh, Patrick Rogers. I predict uh, those guys are going to win or be, you know, right at the top of the leaderboards going forward because they're, they're all playing very well, Carlos. So, hey, let's talk about the um, – Let's talk about the LPGA just a little bit. The uh, They opened their season last week. We had previewed it uh, last week on our show. The uh, Pure Silk Bahamas Classic was held to open the season. Brittany Lynchcombe birdied the first extra hole and won the first LPGA event of 2017. Last year, we all lamented the fact that only two LPGA Tour events were won by American women. Well, five Americans topped the leaderboard on Sunday. Lynchicum, of course, won. Lexi Thompson, who was tied after regulation, lost in the playoff. Stacey Lewis had a very good week. Jarena Pillar and rookie Nellie Corda. Rookie Nellie Corda. That's Jessica's, Jessica's little sister. Uh, had a really good week uh, right in there. Uh, so maybe she's going to make some noise on the LPGA Tour. Calm conditions early in the week allowed for record scoring the first three days, but wind and rain moved in during the final stretch on Sunday, which created a challenge that shook up the leaderboard. Lynchcombe and Thompson returned to the par 518th for their first playoff haul, but that's all it took when uh, Lynchcombe got a birdie. Lynchcombe had started the day two shots behind Stacey Lewis and Lexi Thompson. She carded a 500 par 68 on Sunday to move into the share of the lead, and then close it on the playoff. Stacy Lewis, as I mentioned, had a share of the lead. When she arrived at the par 414th, she caught a bad break when her second shot from the rough hit a palm tree and bounced off a cart path into a landscape area. As Lewis tried to bounce her ball off the cart path and back into play, 
did hit a curb. Her ball bounced back, and I think she took a seven on the par four triple bogey, just knocked her down. She um, ended up um, with a top ten finish. She was her 28th top ten since her last victory in 2014. Lexi, she fired a 61 on Thursday to take over the lead, but uh, rounds uh, on the weekend left her tied, and uh, she just lost out on the playoff. But a good week for her. Weather, of course, was uh, was a big story, as I mentioned. But one of the more interesting stories of the week uh, were Brooke Pancake and Stephanie Meadow, who were the last two players in the field. Meadow, who began the week at number 148 on the priority list, made the cut, finished T31, and will move up in the reshuffle. And so her priority is going to – she's going to be able to get a lot more tournaments. Brooke Pancake was working at a booth at the PGA show on Wednesday morning when she got the call that somebody dropped out, she jumped on a plane, made her way over to the Bahamas for her Thursday tea time, and uh, she also made the cut, finished T42. That's going to move her up and help her status. With the tour heading to Australia and New Zealand, many of the Asian and international players skip the Pure Silk and will begin their seasons down under. Carlos, I think you got some news about the European tour. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And uh, it was one thing that I, I want to comment on, on the LPGA is that one very good thing. I know that a lot of the internationals passed out on, on this uh, to starting their season here, but it was good to see that the top five players and six out of the top seven were from the States. Uh, that that. Yep. Even then, without the top players there, it's great to see, you know, even Brittany Lincecum, Lexi Thompson, Stacey Lewis, always there. Jerina Piller, who is one of the players that I'm watching out for this year, I think she will finally come through. And she was there, uh, 67, 65, 65. She unfortunately on Sunday went to 71, but she had a chance to win. And Nelly Corda, like you mentioned, she's uh, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future. We have to look out for her. So it was great that after a, a year, which we can say maybe it was a down year for the for the Americans in the LPGA, six of the top seven were there on the top. So that's great to see. Yeah, but I'll hey, bet you won't, I'll bet you won't see that down in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, I, you know, you're going to see Lydia Ko, and you're going to see – uh, some of these other international Asian players uh, come to the top oh, down there. So, yeah, they I, definitely I, I, will. That, that's, yeah, that, that, yeah. They 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 skip for that so that they could start uh, their season down there. So, yeah, but we'll you know, see. is Envy is, is is Park ready to come back and play? Do you know? I haven't. Not I, yet. I forget to look not that yet. up. Not yet. No, okay. she's not. Not yet. I, the last okay. thing I heard was that she might be coming back uh, shortly before the first mayor of the year, like uh, having maybe one or two tournaments before uh, the first major so that she could be in it. So okay. that's the last thing I heard. So we'll see. But we'll, okay. that's a good thing. We have to keep an eye on when yeah. she's going to be coming yeah. back. Talking about the European tour, 21-year-old Younghoon Wang of South Korea, he came through a three-man playoff against Sweden's Joachim Lagergen and Jakob Enzil of South Africa to win the Commercial Bank Qatar Masters at Doha Golf Club. Wang birdied the first hole of a sudden-death playoff to beat Lagergen and Enzil and claim his third European tour title. 
Wang began the final day at Doha Golf Club with a three-shot lead, but after 15 holes, he found himself with the company at the top of the board. Lagergen posted a fine closing round of 66 to set a clubhouse total of 16 under par, and Van Seel had reached 16 under with a birdie, too, on the 13th. Wang got to 17 under with a birdie on the 16th, but he dropped a shot at the 17th and was unable to birdie the par 5 last. Van Seel also part in and the left three and the and the three, I'm sorry, were left tied on a four round total of two seventy two and headed for the playoff. Wang Van Seel Lagergen returned to the eighteenth to settle the tournament via a seven death playoff. That's when Van Seel looked favorite when he found the green in two shots, but he three potted for par. Both Lagergen and Wang missed the putting surface with their second shots. But the suite was unable to get up and down from the greenside bunker, whereas Wong managed to get down in two from behind the green. With a birdie four, the title was his. At just 21 years old, Wang is the third youngest player in the European Tour history to reach three victories on the circuit. Only Mateo Manacero and Sevi Ballesteros achieved the feat more quickly. Last season, Wang was the European Tour Rookie of the Year after wins in Morocco and Mauritius. He now could climb as high as 29th of the, on the official world golf ranking. Van Seel is still looking for his first European Tour victory. He has 150 starts, and this was the fifth time that he has finished runner-up. The South African was left to rue on a second three-pot of the day on the first playoff hole. And finally, one of the players to watch on the European Tour, Jordan Smith, finished as the best-placed Brit there in a tie for sixth place. The Englishman closed with an excellent 66 to move up the leaderboard. Uh, So, you know, Fred, I tell you, Jordan Smith is one of those players that we have to see there. He's a 25-year-old that earned his card by topping the Challenge Tour rankings last season. So we'll we'll be looking and hearing a lot from Jordan Smith this year. Yeah, what do you think uh what do you think about uh, uh what are your thoughts on, on Wang? Is he is he someone that we need to be watching? I mean it's his third win, he's a young guy. So is he go somebody is gonna be somebody that's we're gonna be seeing here in the US or, or what are your thoughts? He definitely has the he has the skills to to be looked out. He proved it now in this tournament. Of course, the the, the field wasn't that uh, strong, but still to get up and win. And he's right now 29 in the world. Uh, he's the highest South Korean man uh, ranked right now. So he had two wins last year, so he can win. And that that's a player that I think maybe not this year. Uh, but maybe next year we'll be looking at him coming out to the States. Depending on how he does there uh, in the European Tour, we might see him in some of the majors. But right now, he has access to the WGCs, so we're going to be starting to seeing a lot more from him. Cool. Hey, Carlos, uh, the Web.com held their second event of the year, and they've been over the Bahamas for the first two events here. Uh, Andrew Landry missed a cut last week in the great Exima Classic, but used the extra practice time wisely and rallied to win this week in the Bahamas' great Abaco Classic. He posted rounds of 71-68-66-67, good for 16-under, for his second career Web.com Tour title. Wins $108,000, nice little check for the week's work. Um, Greg Eason, the big story down there was uh, 
Greg Eason, um, he began, you know, he started in that first term. You know, the weather was so bad in the first term of the Eczema Classic, but he had rounds of 91-95 there, okay? Then he comes over to the great uh, Amico Classic, and he's from England, and he starts off on the first round with a 90. So his first three rounds of the year are 91, 95, 90, okay? So looking like uh, Mr. Easton needs to go back home and hit the range a little bit. He's maybe not quite ready for prime time. But then he turns around in the second round and shoots a bogey 368. 22 shots difference than the day before. Biggest differential of all time. Uh, in PGA Tour history. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's amazing. But his 90, I should say that the 90 included a 15 on the par 518. So, you know, he was playing okay uh, for 17 holes. He just uh, he had a problem on the, on the 18th hole finishing off the round, the first round. But then the second round, man, um, he, uh, he showed him that he could play. So uh, good for him. Uh, after a week off, the web.com now heads down to South America, and they're going to be at uh, Columbia for the Club Columbia Championship by Servian Trega. So uh, look for them down there. But uh, they've had a couple good weeks in uh, in the Bahamas, and now they get to go to South America, Carlos. Great South America. I, I envy them. I would just go there anytime. Hey, with that, we'll wrap up our weekend backspin. When we come back, we have the Par 5 News, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at eDressports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash eDressports. Now, back to the show. And we're back, and now it's time for the Part 5 News. Fred, as usual, you have the tee shot. What do you have for us? To start here on the Part 5 News. Well, Carlos, uh, I found this story interesting. Uh, I want to pass along to uh, our listeners. Uh, the Farmers Insurance Open was held last week at Torrey Pines, as we all know. And uh, Lori uh, Weisberg from the Union Tribune uh, wrote a story about the tournament's financial problems. And you don't hear about this all the time. Everybody thinks it's uh, sweetness and light for the, all these tournaments, making millions of dollars. But in 2009, the longtime sponsor of the Torrey Pines event, Buick, had to pull out, and the overall poor economy was hurting the tournament. So Farmers Insurance came to the rescue just days before the 2010 event, if you remember, and they also got a $1.7 million loan from the PGA Tour, which kept them alive. Well, now we're up to 2016, we're, you know, seven years later, eight years later, and the loan is still on the books, and now it's grown to $2.5 million. And the operations net assets remain in negative territory. In 2015, 
the Century Club's net revenues had soared to more than 354000 compared to a negative 755000 in 2012. How do you lose $755,000 in a golf tournament? Can somebody explain that to me? Last year, after a bad storm shut down the tournament on Sunday, the club got approval from the PGA Tour to extend by one year repayment of its 2012 loan to 2019. So now we're going to push that even farther. The PGA Tour, while not confirming whether it has made loans to other tournaments, acknowledged that San Diego is not alone in having needed some financial assistance. The tour appears to be somewhat selective, though, when it, when it steps in. When Buick exited at Torrey, at Torrey Pines, it also quit the Buick Classic up in Grand Blanc, Michigan, up by Flint, if you remember. And that tournament evidently was just not as important as San Diego, and did not fare as well Tory Pine, as Torrey Pines. Thus, there's no PGA Tour event currently held in Michigan. So, when they need to and they want to, the PGA Tour will step in to protect a top-flight event and give the PGA Tour pros a place to earn a check. This seems to make perfect business sense to me. I have no problem with it. For the tour to sport popular events at iconic courses, especially like Torrey Pines, you, you just can't imagine a, a PGA event not at Torrey Pines, but maybe they need to get some new management out there. The, my question is, Carlos, when other events are solvent, earning millions of dollars for charity, why can't Southern California bring in enough to repay the debt they already owe? <laughs> I mean, uh, they got the same what... people. They got the same people run the tournament that run the state of California. I, it, it's a very similar situation to me. Maybe that's why they want to collect it because they <laughs> just want to pay their, their own stuff their own way. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. But hey, let me talk a little bit about a stress factor that has kept Rory McIlroy out of the European Tour's desert swing will likely keep the world number two sidelined for several more weeks. Rory has revealed that he aims to return from injury at the WGC Mexico Championship on March 2 in Mexico City. The event had been known as the WGC Cadillac Championship at Doral, but has moved to club the golf Chapultepec in Mexico City under new sponsorship. The world number two had an MRI scan after the South African Open, which revealed that he had a stress fracture to his rib. McElroy was speaking of Fox Sports, the clubhouse with Shane Bacon podcast, saying that he has been walking five or six miles and has begun practicing his body. The four-time major winner said he will hopefully tee it up in a few weeks. You know, he last played at the South African Open where he finished runner-up to Graham Storm, but he told Shane Bacon, and I quote, I'm trying to get back for Mexico. That's my timetable for return. I could maybe get back before that. For example, if I were to play Honda and then go straight to Mexico, that would be playing two weeks in a row. I'd like to ease my way in gently. Mexico is the perfect time to return because it's four rounds, no cut. I can see how everything feels and have a week off after that. Hopefully, it works out that way, and that's when I'm trying to get back, end of quote. You know, when he was asked about how he suffered his rib injury, he thinks it occurred pre-Christmas where he was testing equipment and making a change to his takeaway. He told Shane, and I quote, 
one of the drills I was doing was I was reaching a little bit with my left arm and extending while I've been trying to make this swing change. I think the combination of trying to make that small tweak in my swing, and I'm hitting a lot of drivers as well, making a lot of swings, testing drivers, testing, testing balls, testing everything. That's how it happened. And of course, you know, Michael Lurie has won three of golf's four majors with just a master saluting him. There were fears that Michael Lurie would miss out on the first major of the year in April at, at the Masters. However, he has confirmed that he will play and says there are no excuses this time in his quest for the career Grand Slam. To that, he said, it could be a blessing in disguise because it gives me five or six weeks where I can just purely work on my short game. So there's no excuses going to Augusta and not having a sharp short game this year. End of quote. You know, Rory, I hope you you come like you're saying there because if you don't come with a sharp short game like you're saying, you should have come earlier before. Fred McElroy is currently number two in the world, trailing only Jason Day, but that could change by the time he, that he will return. Yeah, we were really looking for Rory to be a factor at the Masters, and maybe he will still be, but, uh, you know, hopefully things will go good for him in, uh, when he gets back to Mexico. Hey, Carlos, uh, super rookie uh, Bryson DeChambeau. We all remember him from last year making waves on tour. He's currently out of favor with the USGA. Golf's governing body determined that the center-shafted putter he's been using was non-conforming. He was told reportedly that the putter would conform if the shaft were seated at the rear of the putter and made that modification. DeChambeau said, I was very disappointed with the way they handled it. Uh, They said to me that they don't like the way I'm doing it. But it's within the rules. I don't know why they don't like it. They say I'm potentially taking skill out of the game. Anything that helps low, shoot lower scores or makes golf more fun and grows the game, that's what I'm all about. Well, the USGA, they would not comment on the matter. You know, pretty, pretty tight lipped those boys. The circumstances surrounding club's nonconformance are confidential and between the USGA and Bryson DeChambeau, USGA spokesman Janine Driscoll said. Some in the golfing community feel the USG may work to shut down the unconventional putting style. Both DeChambeau and his coach seem to think the USGA just has a vendetta against the poor boy. They basically threatened him that if he showed up on Thursday, they would DQ him, his coach said. I think they thought he would have a backup and he'd have to go back to conventional and it would be over. The week before, they made him put lead tape and mark it up. Every week they've been expecting it. It's bad. It's really bad, I'm telling you. They do not want him putting that way. Didn't Sam Snead putt this way? What's the problem? He's not anchoring in any way that I can see. As long as you don't stand directly behind the ball, you know, and you stay to the side, side saddle like he's doing, I'm not sure what they're worried about. I, I don't get it. There, I, I played around with a company uh, last summer who makes a putter that you put to the side and you stand sideways like that and you push it forward, um, you know, more like a croquet stroke or something. So um, I don't know why the USGA has their panties all in a bunch about this thing, but uh, evidently they're all excited. they they got to have something to worry about, you know, Carlos. Also, I, I should mention, too, I heard it on um, from a very strong source that there's going to be about eight rule changes 
uh, coming down the pike from the USGA and the RNA uh, over, the, uh, over the course of the year. They're really working on it, and they're really working on a bunch of stuff. The Dustin Johnson rule was just kind of the tip of the iceberg. They're, uh, they're really coming out with a bunch of changes that, uh, that will kind of get people's attention uh, over the course of the year here. Are they executive orders that they're going to be imposing, or are they really rules that they're going to change? Um, I don't know that they'll do anything right away. I think they're going to have, you know, the rules are going to be changes that will, you know, the next time they can do something is, what, 2018? Um, so 2020, I think it was. 2020. Well, I don't know. So, I think it's 2020, yeah. Yeah, it's four years. You're right. So 16 to 20, 2020. So I don't think some will take effect until then. I don't know about I don't know about the timing of that. I just know that they're looking at a lot of different stuff. I found this out the other day, and uh, they're really they're really working on it, and and they've taken it to heart that they need to do stuff some stuff. Um, and there's a lot of activity going on too with USGA. I should mention that uh, at the PGA show last week, I was talking to some people, and USGA is basically taking over, or or they're making. Uh, demands of all the state uh, amateur organizations uh, that that want to have USGA certifications. They have to meet certain criteria. They have to have certain. They have to get the USGA software. Uh, they're going to have certain uh, demands on handicapping. Uh, a lot of the state associations are not going to be able to meet their demands and are going to go away or either get combined with other organizations or whatever. So like in Ohio, there's about eight different amateur organizations. Um, some of those are going to end up just dissolving or getting absorbed into somebody else. So USGA is doing a lot of stuff right now, kind of behind the scenes. And unless you're tuned into amateur golf and, and what the USGA is doing, you don't hear about it. But uh, they're, they're really doing – with their $100 million a year they're getting from Fox, they're, they're deciding how they're going to spend it for sure. <laughs> Yeah, they have too much time on their hands. So, uh, and they want to try to money. see how they too can. much money. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think they just want to 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 do something just to try to wash face somehow for all the heat that they have taken the past few years, especially last year with that uh, yeah. Dustin Johnson ruling that that really yeah. Yeah. And the way they screwed up the LPGA, the uh, not the LPGA, but the mm -hmm. U.S. Women's Open thing. Yeah, and and an yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they learn. But I don't know. Common sense is something that doesn't happen here in the ruling bodies. Anyway, hey, you know, giving it. Hey, you know, hey, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you too. Before you get away from that, I meant to mention before I started, you were talking about Rory before, uh -huh. and. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I was over at Seminole the other day, and uh, over on the range, on, on the short game range, uh, guess who was over there hitting balls when I was there? Uh, Jerry, was there. Jerry McElroy, uh, Rory's dad, is uh, is now a member there, and he was over there hitting balls, and he's been working on his game and, and playing it quite a bit. So, so good for him. He's getting back to the game. He was a good player back when he was younger, and when Rory was a baby. Uh, he was like a, a you know close to a scratch or two three four handicap, and then he quit playing uh, while they were hauling Rory around to different tournaments and stuff. And uh, now now he's got time uh, to get back at it. So good for him. 
And his son can pay the membership for him anywhere absolutely, he wants. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that. that where where you want to play? No problem. I'll fly yeah. there. No hey, you know what? Given that it is only the only notable event Murfield Golf Club now stages, I increasingly look forward to its biannual row over whether to admit women members. <laughs> Last play. <laughs> I, I it's knew you like it in itself. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's twice biannual that they play. They played it last in May of 2016, and the contest returns this month and promises to put observers right inside the action of the old times as they enjoy breathtaking views uttered in front of a backdrop of breathtaking views. You know, that's because the members of Mirfield will have another vote on whether women can be admitted to their club. Last year's vote followed a two-year consultation process and fell short of the majority required to change membership policy. Motions require two-thirds of its eligible voters to back the move, and only 64% voted in favor. Details of a new ballot are expected within the next two weeks, with a decision expected in early March. The May motion fell 10 votes short of admitting female members, and the Scottish venue was told by organizers, the RNA, it would, st it would not stage another open championship as a result. Run by the Honorable Company of Edinburgh's Golfers, the privately owned links last hosted the Open in 2013. Mirfield announced in June that it wanted to hold a fresh ballot, and we'll keep an eye on all those procedures uh, and see if it finally those 10 men turn their decision and finally support women be admitted to their club. But you know what? The funny thing is that the RNA was the one that told them, you know, they will not stage another open champ championship until they do so. So it is interesting to see that, you know, after... Uh, more than two years after a historic view by the RNA, seemingly to end centuries of discrimination by admitting women to the golf club, female members still have no access to changing rooms inside the St. Andrews Clubhouse, right where the RNA is. Instead, women who were allowed to become members from September 2014 are obliged to use facilities 100 yards away. That's a full football field in a separate building, the RNA-owned Forgan House. The RNA, <laughs> one of Gulf's most august institutions, has said that it's not practical to allow women to change in the clubhouse. <laughs> it has pointed to a lack of space. Okay, a lack of space rather than prejudice, prejudice you know, tomatoes, tomatoes. That's are the, you know, what are it comes the plumbers out. on strike in Great Britain and Scotland or what? You know, they got no plumbers. They uh, can't put in another loo over there they, or what? They say it's no space. That's the reason. But <laughs> not for the first time, questions of perception and separation arise. Play the course and join the club by all means. Come on, women, do it. But change your shoes and have a shower elsewhere, please. The club does maybe not have can, any Maybe plans. we can just do like North Carolina and you can go wherever you want to go, you know, maybe. Of course. <laughs> I mean, they, they, the, the funny thing is the club does not have any plans to build a women's changing room in the main clubhouse. It is, in fact, proud of the upgrades that it has made to that second building that the women go. It's like, you know, look at all those upgrades that you have there. 
this is just an old building. Come on, it's no space. You know, anyone with a, even a loose knowledge of the RNA clubhouse, the RNA that said to Mirfield, you know, you are not going to play the open until you allow women are doing this. That space there on the RNA clubhouse with features a library and a snooker room will confirm it is not exactly a confined environment, meaning <laughs> it is strange the implementation of a women's locker room wasn't confirmed before or That's immediately amazing. after the 2014 vote. You know, Fred, Martin Slumbers, the chief executive of the corporate wing of the RNA, enjoys one of the most spacious and luxurious office spaces <laughs> in sports on the first floor. I am sure that he can give up some space along with some of the dining and bar facilities that are available there, alongside other administration elements, you know, just as an example. Come on, guys. I know it's sacrilegious to expect common sense from the ruling bodies, but this is long overdue, Fred. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I've seen that guy's office in pictures, okay? There's a lot of room to put a wall in there and, and, stick, and stick a women's bathroom in there or shower or two or something, whatever they got to do. Uh, I think Martin doesn't need quite as much room as he's got. If they want to do it, they can make it happen, I'm sure. Hey, uh, Carlos, uh, our last story in the Profile News tonight, um, Eric uh, Machuski wrote a piece for Forbes magazine that concludes the demise of golf may be a bit over-exaggerated. Even though detractors insist the sport must be in its death throes because participation is down, more golf courses are closing than opening, golf smiths file for bankruptcy, and Nike stopped making clubs. Those things certainly aren't positives, but the issue is that they never seem to come with proper context. He, he surmises in the article, after a week which saw over 1,000 golf equipment vendors and golf equipment people of every type, kind, and whatever converge for the PGA Show in Orlando, the good far outweighs the bad. We should be bullish on golf in 2017. There are, in fact, plenty of reasons for optimism. Carlos, he puts in major business magazine the exact arguments we've been raising for several years. Golf generates almost $70 billion in economic impact in the United States annually. It impacts close to 2 million American jobs and pours about $4 billion into charitable coffers. No, there aren't as many rounds being played as during Sports Zenith a few years ago when Tiger Woods was at his prime. The economy was also strong, and new courses were popping up like mushrooms. But what we're seeing is not a precipitous drop in rounds played, but a return to the level prior to golf's popularity spike. Plus, youth and women, in particular, their participation has increased. Far more courses are closing than opening, but that can be construed as a normal business cycle at its finest from oversaturation in the boom years prior to 2009. New courses with different business models give proof to that maxim. If you build it, they will come. With gems like Cabot Links in Nova Scotia, the trend-setting reversible loop at Forest Dunes in Michigan, and the magnificent Mossy Oak in Mississippi, and then you can throw in Bandon Dunes, Whistling Straits, Sand Valley, etc., 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 
True golfers are passionate and dedicated. Buddy's trips aren't going anywhere. They're still going to go find a golf course to go play a resort, drink a few beers, uh, howl at the moon a little bit, and play a little golf. As we know and talk about on a regular basis, golf, of course, is more international than ever before, which is a good thing. The Olympics gave golf major visibility around the world. You know, we've had the quote from, from Michael Wan that it was game-changing for the sport. We'll see the impact for years to come. Wan also talks about the LPGA Girls Golf Program, which introduced 62,000 young girls to the game just last year. That's a staggering increase from the 4,500, which was six years ago. Programs for women in general are making golf more welcoming and less intimidating, seeking to boost female participation. A recent study found that 29% of women who are non-golfers said that they would have an interest in trying the game. Carlos, there's many reasons to be bullish on golf. We talk about them all the time. These are just a few. It's nice to see that someone's from Forbes and, you know, some something really outside the realm of golf kind of picked up on that and, and is willing to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really, really nice. Hey, let's take our, our second short break, and when we come back, Fred, you will be recapping your visit at the PGA Tour Merchandise Show in Orlando and will also throw in some interviews with some of the representatives from Callaway and New Balance and Linksoul and Best of Bikes. So don't go away. This is going to get really good right now. Thank you for listening to the Back Nine Report presented by eDraft.com. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out our co-hosts on Twitter by clicking their names in the episode description. Now, back to the show. And we're back, and now we're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, Fred has been taking one for the team. You know, he went down to Orlando, driving all that way from Toledo, Ohio, down to Orlando, just so that he could be there, uh, sacrificing himself in the PGA Tour merchandise show. You know, that's a lot of people uh, being there early in the morning, being one of the last ones to leave. Plus, he had to, you know, play golf. So... Uh, that's a very sacrificed life, a great thing for he's doing here for the Back Nine Report. So the least that we would expect from him is a recap of what he did there. So please tell us about all that sacrifice that you went through, that all that tough time that you had last week. Yeah, well, you know, last week we talked a little bit about some of the stuff that was going on at the show. And, of course, Demo Day had just happened last Tuesday, and so we talked about that. Um, the show was really very good. Uh, it might not have been as well attended as in years past. It might, the attendance might have been down just a little bit. But, you know, there was over a 1,000 companies there uh, showing off their wares and, and talking about what they do. And with all the people that were there, you know, there's over 40,000 people that come through there and, and the golf pros and, 
and and of course all the media people that are there. It's people that I don't get to see maybe only once a year or, or maybe twice uh, at a golf. You know, maybe I'll see them at a golf tournament or something. But uh, a lot of business gets done just you know talking to people and being around. So that's always a great thing. But the, the reason we're really there is to look at the new products and see what's going on. Um, and so there was a lot of stuff. And we're going to have uh, some nice interviews from um, from Callaway Golf Shoes, Link Soul, and uh, um, Bob. And I'll explain Bob in a minute. But that's the one that I thought was really the, the coolest thing. But let me talk about a couple other things here real quick. Um, three other things um, that uh, that have come up. Uh, Sky Caddy. Uh, at last, uh, someone has put a GPS rangefinder and shot tracking watch together with a mobile app for Bluetooth for your smartphone. Now, it is about 350 bucks, but uh, the features, they come preloaded with thousands of courses, and if you choose, it can use data from the smart tags, one of which comes from the package. So that's pretty, that might be pretty handy. It might be something you want to look into. Under Armour has come out with some, de- some sunglasses that are supposed to be really good, or they are good. Uh, you know, Henrik Stenson is out with a line of sunglasses also. There are hundreds of sunglasses on the market, but, you know, the UA Igniter 2.0 just happens to have a nice feature not found on other brands. It has an adjustable nose pad. So, you know, if you're one of these people that, you know, you just can't get glasses to maybe sit right on your nose, um, you know, this could make a lot of difference. They are a little pricey. They're about 150 bucks, But, you know, if, you, if they're, they see well and they sit well on your face, you know, maybe it's worth it. Sun Mountain. They're known for their high-quality functional outerwear, uh, travel bags, push carts. Uh, they've got a speed cart, which folds down to 37 by 16 by 13 inches, weighs just over 70 pounds, real light, throw it in the back of your car and the trunk, easy to handle. Uh, it's a new design. It, it you know, uh, extends and goes back down. It's got a, a padded storage tray. Uh, and not really that expensive. A lot of these things can be over 300 bucks. This one's only about $200, so... Uh, that's pretty nice, um, Carlos. Uh, let's. I'm going to switch over here, and we're going to start talking about the things we have interviews for. Uh, and the first one uh, is uh, Callaway. Um, and the big thing about Callaway, they've been making golf shoes for a long time, but they didn't like what they were doing, so they scrapped the program. They they went back to scratch, and they've come up with a whole new design and concept for their golf shoes. And quite honestly, I really like them. They're, they're really stylish looking. They have a really nice foam insole in them, so you're, it's like you're walking on air. Um, they're really, uh, really good stuff. And I, I talked to uh, Matt Palma uh, at the show a little bit, and we taped this interview. And so if you've got that there, why don't you play it real quick? It's just a couple minutes long. Let's play it. We're here on the floor at the PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando, Florida. We're, we're talking with Matt Palma from Callaway Footwear. And, Matt, uh, you've got a great display here. I love the look of your shoes. Thank you. Yeah, we're very excited to get the relaunch of Callaway Footwear. So we have a completely new collection that we're launching here at this show, really focusing on taking what Callaway is known for, innovation, technology, and infusing that into this new footwear collection. So we've had great response from consumers and from the buyers seeing it. Very excited about where the product's going. So you've been in the footwear business, but you kind of went back to the drawing board and come out with kind of a new line, a little different concept. Exactly. So completely redesigned, all new tooling, all new silhouettes, 
and really focusing on kind of a, a core design ethos, if you will, that it's a classic contemporary. So taking that classic brand that Callaway is and infusing it with modern technology so that golfer's going to have great performance, a great styling, look great on the course, and feel great when they're wearing the shoes. Yeah, I love the styles. You mentioned that, uh, you know, you have the classic uh, styling, colors, uh, look, but you do have some high-end uh, performance shoes also. Absolutely. We have very high technical shoes for really that golfer who needs to be locked in when they're in the tee box. So great TPU outsoles that give you that structure and stability. Um, very lightweight product too. Um, as we've talked to consumers and research, one of the things they want is a comfortable shoe. So giving them great comfort underfoot. Brand new pair of shoes, walk 18 holes right out of the box. Great comfort story but all tied in with great performance attributes so you can play better. What's the best place to find your product? So right now, the product is just launching into the market, so we're going to be in uh, green grass accounts around the country. It's going to be available through uh, CallawayGolf.com uh, to go there, go and find more information about the footwear where you'll see a full collection of all the products and get all the information that you'd need. If you're looking for new shoes this year, you may want to check out the Callaway line. i got to tell you, they look great, and I, I, think, I think everybody will be pleasantly surprised with what you're doing right now. Well, thank you very much. Again, we're really excited about what we can do with the Callaway brand and getting back into footwear in a big way, and uh, we're excited about 2017. Matt, thanks a lot for talking to us today. Thank you very much. That was a Matt Palmer from Callaway Footwear, Fred. And, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, Callaway is getting back also now into the footwear uh, field. Uh, I think that there's like a resurgence. I don't know if it's just because of the of the PGA Tour merchandise show that they also, you know, a lot of, of this uh, new equipment and new uh, footwear and anything that is – related to golf takes like a little momentum of but i find it interesting that callaway you know is, start, is starting to compete now with uh, all those big players like nike like under armor and all the other big ones that are already there uh what you think about that well you know it's interesting to me uh, of course you know we've got nike that dropped out of the equipment business but is still doing apparel because that's their strength mm -hmm. and they're still doing shoes you know, we've got Adidas, uh, who's dropped the equipment company, or you know, they're trying to sell the equipment company, but they still want to do Ash, or still want to do Adidas clothing and and their shoes because that's what their strength is. I think these companies find their strength, and that's what they want to do. I, so I have to say, uh, talking here to Callaway, I, I I talked to Callaway and New Balance back to back that day, and I didn't play the New Balance uh, uh, interview. We may play that sometime. It, it was very interesting. But um, Callaway didn't like the shoe that they were producing because they liked the shoes that New Balance was producing. And so they went to New Balance and their manufacturer. And, and so really New Balance and Callaway is basically the same kind of shoe, okay? So, you know, I... I don't think they want this really public that much, but uh, New Balance has a great product, and Callaway has a great product, so it's kind of what you like. But I, if I, I would recommend that you go check both companies out. If you're looking for some new shoes, I really like, I like the Callaway style, okay? I think the insides of the shoes between New Balance and Callaway are about the same. 
uh, I really like the outer styling of the Callaway. Uh, they're very cool. So, but if you're looking for some new shoes, I think New Balance and uh, Callaway have about as good a thing on the market right now uh, as anybody. You know, I, I I like the New Balance shoes. Uh, I've always liked them. But uh, yeah, it is it is uh, public that Callaway partnered with New Balance. They they announced it in July of last year, uh, right when there was all this turmoil about the all the companies they were getting out of the Nike was going out and Adidas looking to sell. Uh, it was rumored that Callaway was buying Foot Joy, but those resorted to be false, and that's when they said that New Balance was going to make shoes for Callaway, that they would be available for purchase starting uh, January 1st. So uh, definitely a, a great way for them to do that. But interesting, like you say, you know, they are Nike and Adidas going out of their comfort, of the hardware and going for their comfort zone, which is the, the, the wear, and, uh, and Callaway is... <laughs> staying there in the hardware and going also for the wearable. But then you have, so, you have a company like Ping who is just happy to stay in the equipment business. They're happy to produce mm-hmm. putters and irons and their and their woods. You know, the the new Epic Driver that's out, I mean, it's just, um, you know, they're, they're really happy doing that, and they're not really looking to do other stuff. Um, and, but then you've got, you know, like, Titleist has foot joy and, you know they they have some other stuff and and they want to be known as a as a, a, a all encompassing company. They got something for everybody. So it's just the business model and what those companies feel they're strongest in and what they can compete in. Totally, totally agree. What's the next one we have you have for us? Um, I was really happy uh, when I got the invitation to talk to John Ashworth. Um, I, when Ashworth came out with his first line of clothes in 1986, Freddie Couples, uh, you know, was, uh, uh, they, they sponsored Freddie Couples, John Cook, Ernie Els. Um, I loved their stuff. I started wearing, uh, Ashworth way back then and have worn it a lot of their products up through the years. Um, Ashworth left, actually left at the Ashworth company, uh, back in the, uh, late nineties. And, um, I guess maybe it was early 2000s, but uh, he uh, he started a new company called Link Soul, L-I-N-K-S-O-U-L, and I was looking at his at their products there on the show, and they're they're made out of a lot of natural fibers like cotton, but he uses uh, the new technology for moisture wicking and air cool drying and all that kind of thing uh, to make them very functional on the golf course but they look just as well for evening wear and they're comfortable because they're cotton, very light, uh, comfortable, uh, and, and great styling. The colors are, 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 are muted. They're not real bright, but they are colorful enough. And, and the, the clothing is you can wear it to play golf or then you can wear it to go out to dinner or you can wear it for casual Friday or whatever. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's really a nice brand. I really like their stuff. So, and I was really tickled to get to talk to John Ashworth. He's a legend in the business, and, and uh, he is truly a, a California guy, though. You know, he's very laid back. Uh, it, it, was really, it was really nice to talk to him. So if you want to play that, it's only about two to three minutes long, something like that. Yeah, if you see their 
their website, linksoul.com. You mentioned that he's a California guy. Well, you're going to see in the bottom there's going to be a, a, a guy with a surfing board and wearing the, the Linksoul uh, shirt and all that. And then in the, in the left, there's a golf course. So that, that shows you the range that he's going for with those uh, with those. Uh, shirts and pants and all that. So that's, let's play that. That's interview. exactly what he talked about. That's exactly it. Yeah. Let's go for it. We're here on the floor of the 2017 PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando, Florida, and we are happy to be talking with John Ashworth, who started the Ashworth Clothing Company uh, many years ago. Uh, many people are probably familiar with that, and now has transitioned over and is doing Link Soul. Mr. Ashworth, thank you so much for taking a minute to talk to us. Oh, it's great to be here, Fred. Thanks for coming by. Appreciate it. You've got a great-looking booth here, but uh, I think many people are more familiar with what you did before. Uh, give us a little history. How did you started the Ashworth Company back in the 80s? Yeah, 1986, actually. Uh, this is my 30th PGA merchandise show. I was 26 years old at the time, and uh, I just felt like there was a... Uh, there was a big gap in the market. You know, as a 26-year-old, there wasn't really anything that I wanted to wear. And um, so I felt like it was, you know, I would, luckily for me, I was I was in the right place at the right time. A great partner who was a very shrewd, you know, businessman. I focused more on the creative side, the clothing and the image and all the marketing that goes with it. We were lucky to... Uh, Attract a couple big name golfers: Fred Couples, Ernie Els, John Cook. Yeah, we we were at the right place at the right time and with the right look, and it really it was a fantastic ride. Um, it's now owned by uh, Adidas Golf or Adidas, I should say, and um, I haven't been involved since '97. But now my passion is with Link Soul, and it's basically an evolution of style for me personally, and, and what you know, what we're trying to translate to the lifestyle of a golfer. It's not so much about a golf uniform. Uh, Link Soul is more of a, I suppose it's more of a, uh, a style that is for golfers, but it goes, it translates so well off the golf course, you know, to many different, many different places. I was talking to one of your people yesterday, and they were saying uh, all of your creations, all of the clothing is basically from a cotton base, but you use the modern technology and the wicking and all that to make it comfortable uh, make it usable on the golf course, but because of your colors and your styling, it works very well for going right from there to an evening, uh, you know, for dinner or whatever. We do use a lot of natural fibers, because, but, and we, but we do we put those through certain technological processes that make them easy to care for, where they don't shrink, you know, they come out of the dryer, you can just fluff and fold them. I personally don't like 100% polyester clothing. I don't think it's comfortable. Well, looking around the booth here, looking at the colors, the designs, uh, the styling, I mean, this is something that, you know, I'm an older guy, but I would wear it. But it looks like it would transition real well if you uh, to a millennial or yeah. a younger guy. Uh, you know, it, it kind of goes across generations. Yeah, it's kind of broad base appeal. It really does. I mean, we even, like, you know, we sell online direct, you know, linksoul.com, and um, you can look at all the information it's, it's incredible in today's world you, you know the google analytics and, and actually you're right i mean the age groups are so consistent the breakdown it's, it's a very broad appeal uh you know because it's 
I think it's very timeless and very classic uh, and easy to wear. Linksoul.com, L-I-N-K-S-O-U-L.com. You can see all the products there. Pants, shirts, sweaters, beautiful colors, just right for on the golf course, afterwards. If you got a casual Friday, you want to wear them to work, uh, everything works for that. John, thank you so much for taking a minute to talk to us. Fred, thanks for coming by. I really appreciate it. Yeah. There you have it. That was John Ashworth from Linksoul. Uh, and Fred, yeah, I, I was looking at it in the website, and uh, he has some very nice looking clothing there. Uh, that it's not only for golf, you know, it, it, you can use it for even go out and dress on them. It, it's really a great, great line. It is, um, you know, and, and our good friend Matt Janella, uh, actually, um, he was there completing an interview with John. Uh, he was right ahead of me, so I was next in line after that. And, uh, you know, Matt kind of has a sponsorship deal with them, so uh, when you see Matt, he has Link's sole clothing on. Uh, he wears it all the time, and uh, it, it's good stuff. I, you know, I, I can't say enough about it. I, I'm, I, I got to get some. <laughs> so, what's uh, the next one, Bob? Explain to to everybody what's Bob, and what are we going to listen to in this interview? I walked into Demo Day on Tuesday, and. Uh, one of the first things I saw, of course, the golf boards are there, uh, some other stuff, some technology stuff. But one of the first things I saw was Bob. And I thought, what is this? And so got to looking at it, and it's called Best of – and what it is, it's a two-wheeled bike. It has big, wide tires. They're low profile, but they're wide. And then you, it's a low-slung kind of a bicycle uh, with a little platform for your feet. And uh, it's got hand controls, handlebars, just like a bicycle or like a motorcycle. So, you know, for the accelerator and for hand braking, front and back. And it's got a big electric battery, a big flat battery that actually goes underneath the floorboard. Uh, it has like a 50-hour life, something like that. So you can get a lot of rounds on it. And uh, you just, they put a bracket behind the seat, and so you can throw your golf bag on there and use it for a, for a golf cart. Uh, the wide tires and low profile makes it very easy to use. You can go right to your ball. You don't have to go look for somebody else's. You don't have to be in a cart on one side, the other side, whatever. Really will speed up play. I really liked it a lot. The, you know, the golf skateboards, you know, the golf skate caddy or the golf skateboard. Um, those are nice. If you're a young guy and you're used to skateboards, you can get on them and take off and go. You're comfortable with leaning and how that works. That's great. For an old guy like me, I, it's just those are not for me. I, I'm not going to do those. But I would get on this thing in a heartbeat and, and ride around my golf course and play. And afterwards, I would, I would, you can even take the, the bracket off real easy, and there's a second seat. So you want to, you and your wife want to take a ride and run through your house up to the you know, up through the neighborhood, up to the local bar or up to the local watering hole and get a sandwich or something or or something to drink and then ride it home. Uh, it's very cool. It's very, very cool. Uh, the guys from the Netherlands, I hope everybody can understand what he's saying. He has a, a little bit of an accent, but I uh, uh, really enjoy talking to him a lot. Let's hear Ted Gertz from Bob. 
We're here on the floor of the PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando, Florida. We're happy to be talking with Ted Gertz from the Netherlands, who's here with, I think, the most unique product in the show this year. It's Bob. It's the best of bikes, but we put a, a bracket on it, and we can haul our golf clubs around on, on the golf course. That's correct, and in evening time, you put it off, and you drive with your bike to the restaurant or over the resorts easily. You can turn and, and drive 50, or 50 kilometers on one battery charge. It's almost, what is it, uh, 30 miles, I think so. This is very easy. So you could play four or five rounds on one battery charge. Yeah, three to four rounds on one battery charge, no problem. Um, it's very low profile. It's a two-wheeler like a bicycle. I kind of, I talked about it the other day. I said it's kind of like a Harley Davidson for the, for the golf course. Yes, correct. They have a very fat tires and also the motor. You don't have a chain, you don't have a belt. It's when they're sending the greens or a, a mowing the, the, the weed, you don't have any problem for maintenance or so. It's a flat battery what we have inside and it's loading with a normal uh, charger like your phone. Because you can charge it at home, you don't have a big... A regular 220. Yes, 220, 115, what you want. 50 hertz, uh, 60 hertz, very easy. Uh, I just love the look of it. I, I really think this has a future in the U.S. Uh, the golf board has, has shown people that they can play much faster by playing by themselves. And I think this would be, you don't have to wait for your, somebody else in the cart. You don't have to go get balls on both sides of the fairway. You can just go to yours. You can play. Speeds up play. You know, you can play your own ball. You can get there. It, it just has a lot of advantages to me. It's speed of your game. It's good for the resort because I drive to my ball, you drive to your own ball, and it's speed of your game. It's easy, it's nice, it looks like if you, you can stand on it and you can sit on it also. If you sit on it, it's not higher than a high toilet, because you don't even fall down. No problems, for else. Yeah, you were, and we were talking about uh, on something else, if you might fall off with this, you just put your feet out and it's stable. You can, you can stop, you've got a hand a brake and a hand accelerator, just like riding a motorcycle if you're used to doing it. Yes, and then very low, low on, on the floor, just, yeah, you don't can fall down. And, you, and when you fall down, no problem, nothing can breathe. Well, I love this product, and just a side note, they are currently looking for distributors in the United States. They're in Europe right now. And uh, if anybody out there would be interested in contacting them, they could get a hold of you at? Yes, we have many, many contacts now here. This, it's, it's coming very fast, and you will see on the, our website where the dealers are. What is your website? www.bestofbikes.nl Dot .nl. Dot .nl. Dutch, orange Dutch, Heineken beer. <laughs> well, Ted, thank you so much for talking to us. We love your product, and we wish you all the best with it. Thank you very much for this interview. There he likes, the Heineken, he likes the Heineken beer. <laughs> yeah, he, he likes the Heineken beer, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it's important that you put .nl, which is the the domain for, the suffix domain for the Netherlands, because they are from the Netherlands, best of bikes, or Bob for short. Hey, Fred, anything else you one want other, to add one before other, we close this? Yeah. Yes. One other nice thing about it, I didn't talk about it in the interview, but the pricing is right on this thing. Um, they're, retailing, they're retailing it in Europe right now for about $2,700. A golf, the golf boards are about five grand, 4500 to five grand. If you buy a golf cart, that's around $6,000, okay? Wow. So you can buy this thing for about half the price. Uh, and if you live in a golf community, 
um, and you want something and you don't want to lay out all the money for a, for a golf cart, uh, this, this is perfect. I, I, uh, I think it has a lot of advantage for here in the U.S., so I, I look for it to do quite well, actually. We'll see how it does. We're certainly going to keep a look on it and see next year when you're there uh, to see how it really pan out. Well, let's take our final short break. When we come back, we have our final pods, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis, breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at eDraft Sports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash eDraft Sports. Don't forget to check out our co-hosts on Twitter by clicking their names in the episode description. Now, back to the show. Carl, is you there? Yes, I am. Sorry about okay. that. Sorry about that. And we're back. And now it's time for the final pod. Uh, and as usual, I'm going to take the final shot, the first of the final shots added. Uh, by now, you might have heard the story of Bob Parsons, you know, the billionaire former Marine, Marine founder of GoDaddy.com, and he's an obsessive golf, golf nut. He wanted to make a better golf club, no matter the cost. He named that new concern that he had, PXG, for Parkinson's Extreme Golf. Yes, that premium $5,000 a set club maker. Well, you might not have heard this story on it. Discussing the future of his company, Parsons says that the next generation PXGs will actually cost more. He said, and I quote, we're working on a process that has never been done before and is incredibly expensive. Our next set of, of clubs are going to cost a lot more. Wow, end of quote. Uh, like Jeff Shackelford, uh, who reported on this, uh, said, I am not sure if the statement that he made is actual about the actual cost of him getting the process to do those clubs or the actual cost of the clubs or something around his initial claims when uh, he was founding the company. He said that he was spending $250,000 a year on golf equipment, or, which is an otherly, otherworldly sum that would mean he was emptying the pro shop of his golf, of his course several times over each season. But I am sure there will be wealthy enough people like you, Fred, to, to buy them. But I am of those who think that it's a poor craftsman who blames his tools. After all, Tiger Woods, even with all his recent struggles, could go out and beat me over 18 holes playing with a 2x4 and a rusty garden hoe. <laughs> I am sticking with my lower-end uh, golf clubs and go practice some more, uh, get me some reps, or maybe get me one of those darn balls that the Golden Bear wants to change, and that, that'll make it better. Finally, you, you know, you know, we all have that pair of jeans that we use over and over and over again. No matter how old or faded it looks, we do it. We take great care of them and don't trust anyone with the care of them. Well, Tiger Woods has a putter just like that. He trusts no one with the care of that tool that has accompanied him during most 
the most dominant era in golf. Woods has never actually given the putter a name. Bobby Jones called his Calamity James. Jack Nicholas had White Fang. Woods one is only casually referred to as the Scotty. An unsettled reference to this distinctive brand from Scotty Cameron. To call it one of a kind is not an exaggeration. Woods doesn't own a backup. Throughout the years, putter maker Scotty Cameron has produced more than 100 putters for Woods, but none could stand in this for this one, the world's most famous putter. Tiger insists that nothing was exactly like that one, and so for it, after collecting dust at Woods' home for many years, the Scotty is active once again. Woods has been reunited with his trusty sidekick for the next chapter in one of the game's most iconic relationships. Yeah, you know, he used that, I think, at, uh, you know, at the uh, Hero Wood Challenge and uh, put it so well. So uh, maybe, you know, back to his comfort zone with that thing. So good luck with that. Hey, Carlos, uh, last week we talked about the real story behind the Kirkland Signature Golf Ball that was sold through Costco stores and why the shelves remained empty amid high demand for the low-cost golf ball with the high-performance numbers. According to a comment from the Costco co-founder, the retailer's highly popular golf balls will return to stores. Jeffrey Brothman, co-founder and chairman of the board of Costco, reached out to SeattlePI.com to clarify that though the golf balls are sold out for now, the Kirkland Signature brand balls aren't gone forever. The balls will return. Though the exact details are under wraps, this is good news for cost-conscious golfers who eagerly snapped up the original supply that were sold for two dozen for $15. What a deal. I'm sorry, I think it were two dozen for $30 or $15 a dozen. No, it was two dozen for $15, $15. yeah. It was, it was quite a deal. Hey, Carlos, uh, also last week we opened the show with the news that Tiger Woods was part of a group buying TaylorMade and that the deal would be announced last Wednesday. Well, he only actually announced that he was going to use TaylorMade Woods in his return to the PGA Tour last week at the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. In fact, however, he is a part of a group of Japanese businessmen negotiating to buy TaylorMade. It's not ready to be announced. It's the, the ink is not on the line yet, but they're working out the details, and uh, that's going to be coming down the road. So we were a little quick to pull the trigger on it. Um, the source that I had said it was a good one, but uh, they were wrong. And it, but it is coming, and we're just—they're not quite going public with it yet. Oh man! Well, anyway, it's good to know that he's at least—he chose to be there with uh, Taylor Made. So, hey, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, I don't think it's the end of it. I just think they are just in the process. Maybe he just wants to make sure. Before he buys them, he tests them <laughs> and makes sure that it really, really uh, works for him. Back Niners, that wraps up another week of the Back Nine Report presented by eDraft.com. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure to bring you the latest on the world of golf. Special thanks to you, to all of our 
uh, VIGs this week, Matt Palma of uh, Callaway, John Ashworth of Linksol, and Ted Gertz of Bob, Best of Bikes. Don't forget to join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Block Talk Radio. Or if you missed it, check it out on iTunes or, t- or tune in. And if you haven't done so, follow the show on Twitter. Our ID is at Pac9Report with the number 9 in the middle. My name is Carlos Torres, along with Fred Alvader. We wish you to be happy, be blessed, and enjoy the great game of golf. Happy golfing, everybody. Good night, everybody. Check out Back Nine Report TV on Roku. Yes. <laughs>